So last time we're going to uh, be together, last time we're going to talk together, and so I know we got to go, we got to get packed up, we got to do some things, and so we're going to be a tad bit shorter. But even though we're a tad bit shorter, I don't think this message is going to be less meaningful, less powerful, less important. In fact, I think I can almost guarantee you that if you listen to me for the next 15 minutes or so, I think this could shape your future for the next 20 or 30 years. I've been doing youth ministry for, I did youth ministry for about eight years. I've been doing adult ministry, a little less fun, uh, for about four years-ish. Yeah, about four years, coming up on four years. And let me tell you, students, you're better. Don't tell my church that, because I like my job. Okay, but I like students. But here's what I've I've realized as you grow up and you get out of junior high and then you get into high school and then you get into college and become an adult, there's this big problem that people can't seem to solve, but it's a very simple problem and I want to solve that problem for you. And it's about God's dream for you, right? That's what we said. Let's recap. We said at the very beginning, we're the villain, right? We're the villain, but that is not our name. Say that. Say, say that's not my name. That's right, okay? We're the villain, but that's not our name. It's not what God wants to call us. So what is he, who does he call the villain? He calls Jesus the villain. Every sin, every, every moment of anger, every moment of lust, every lie you ever told, all of that stuff. Jesus is called all of those things on the cross. He dies and rises again. He is the hero. He's done all the work, and now you have a new name. And now that you have a new name, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to dream. You're supposed to dream. And how does that dream work out? It works out like this. You put God's stuff first and then your stuff. But how do you know the God's stuff, right? That's the question. How do I know God's dream for me? I can't tell you how long in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to be asking that question. And here, here's what I see. I don't know if you've ever been in a plane, if you've ever flown or anything like that, but sometimes planes get delayed. Or sometimes planes are just flying around the airport waiting to land. And so this is kind of happens. Here's the airport right here, and the plane just keeps going, waiting for directions. Oh, I wish somebody would tell me to land, right? Oh, I wish somebody would tell me to land. I'm really bored, and they keep going around the airport. I can't tell you how many Christians, this is exactly how they are. They say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but they just keep going around the airport. I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. I don't know if I should go to Albania. I don't know if I should go to Thailand. I don't know if I should read my Bible. Okay, that's an easy one. You should read your Bible, right? I don't know who I should marry. I don't know what career I should have. I don't know what school I should go to. Why won't God tell me his dream? And do you know why we continue to do that? Do you know why we continue to go around the airport? I'm telling you, this question is coming. It's going to bug you. It's going to bug you, and you're going to sit with it. But I want to answer that question for you right now. For every single person in this room, I'm going to tell you God's dream. Look at your passage right here. Open your little booklet. We're going to read. This guy named Saul, he was a bad guy. We said he had a bad dream. He had a bad dream. He thought he was serving God, but he had a bad dream. But God calls him out, gives him a new name, and now gives him a new dream. So I'm going to read Acts chapter 9, verse 1. This dude is bad. His name is Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. This is the guy who was really excited when they took Stephen, put him in a pit, and stoned him. But something happens to this man, breathing out threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest, verse 2, and asked him for letters to the synagogues, this places of gatherings where he would find believers, he would find Christians. Synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any of those who belonged to the way, that's what Christians were called in the beginning, they were called the way. Whether men or women, he didn't care. 
he might take them into prison to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a loud voice. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This is why we circle the airport right here. It's because we believe that we should get a voice. Just like Saul did. How did Saul, who changed his name to Paul, God changed his name. How did he know what God's will was, God's dream was? Well, God told him, right? He stops him and says, Saul, Paul, right? Hey, stop doing that. Stop persecuting me. Right there. Sometimes we don't do anything. We don't dream big because we're waiting for a voice. Okay, check out this other way. There's another guy in this story. His name is Ananias. Look at verse 10. And in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a, what's that word? Vision or dream, right? Maybe your Bible says dream. Same thing. So we have a voice. Now we have a dream or a vision. If you have your Bible, you could look at the the chapter before this. This is Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, there's another man by the name of Philip. And he's told what to do. But this time an angel comes to him. So when we read our Bibles like this, here's what we think. We think, if I'm going to know God's plan, if I'm going to know God's dream, I need an angel, I need a vision, or I need a voice. That's what I need. Angels, visions, and voices. Oh my, right? That's what I need. If I'm going to know what God wants for me, what college I should go to, who I should marry, who I should date, what I should do, all all these different things. I got to wait for these visions. I got to wait for these voices. I got to wait for some angels. If you do that, you're going to be circling the airport the whole time, never landing, just flying around, doing nothing, and let's be honest, just being a lazy Christian. Now, here's why I think that. I think that because these things, these visions, these angels, and these voices, they're not standard. And yes, we do see him in the Bible. We see him especially in the book of Acts. That's all that stuff after Jesus. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have the book of Acts. That's all Jesus' followers after he left, ascends, goes to heaven, and they start moving. God uses voices. God uses angels. God uses visions. And he may use that with you. But here's the crazy things about all of that stuff. Every time we see a vision, every time we see a voice, every time we see an angel, do you know what happens before? They were never looking for it. They were never looking for it. They were never waiting for it. Paul was never sitting there thinking, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to sit here and play my little box drum. Right? That, he never did that. He never sat. He was never lazy. He wasn't thinking, if God would just give me a postcard and give me a roadmap, I'd be totally good. When you were a kid, did you watch Dora? Raise your hand if you watch Dora. If you're willing to admit it. Right? There's that super annoying song. See if you know the song, right? She's lost. She needs help. And so she calls to her what? Map, Map, which is in her backpack, right? The map comes out, and the map song is what? I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map. I'm the map, right? Okay, in some of the original versions, the song's actually longer than they shortened it up. Why do I know that? Because I have children. It's embarrassing, okay? Here's what we do with God. We pray, and we think God is like our backpack. 
And we say, God, give me the map. Give me the map, God. And just like Dora, I need my three steps, right? And the troll bridge is always the second step. You ever notice? That thing is always right there, the grumpy old troll. But this is what we expect. God, give me the map. God has a dream for you. God has a plan for you. That's true. The Bible makes that very clear. But I don't think he's very interested in telling you that dream. God has a plan for you. God has a dream for you. But I don't think he wants to tell you. And why is that? Because he already told you. Jesus, when he's leaving his disciples, he tells them, hey, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. That means I got all the power. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples of all the nations. Now, that's a big map, right? That's not a small map with three spots. <laughs> that's a map with six billion people, right? The whole world. I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. And then he tells them to do two things. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to baptize them, and I want you to teach them everything I have. You know what he says next? Everything I have commanded you. You know what God's dream for you is? His command. You can never really say, I, God, I don't know what you want me to do. Sure you do. Have you read this thing? There are a lot of commands in here. Love your neighbor. Obey your parents. Right there, just start doing those things. For some of you, it's a very easy one. Your first step on this map, your first step on this journey, your first step part of being a part of God's dream is getting baptized. Do you notice how Jesus puts that right in the front? He says, I want you to make disciples, followers of me, and here's what I want you to do. Teach them all the obedience stuff. But he says, before that, baptize them. What is, that, what is he saying there? I want my people to say, yes, I follow Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's like a ring for married people. It's a symbol. It's not my marriage. It's not making me right with God. Remember, I don't get baptized and make myself right. I'm not the hero. Jesus made me right at the cross. I can't add anything to the cross. You can't add baptism to the cross. That's how it works. But the moment you say, Jesus, you're the hero, now you need to show that. You say it, now you show it. How do you show it? Through baptism. So many of you raised your hand a couple nights ago to make a decision to, to say, hey, I, I want to make Jesus the hero. Okay, here's your first test right here. If that decision was true, you'll obey him. You, you, you can't be a follower of Jesus if you're not following Jesus. <laughs> you can't be a follower of Jesus if you're not obeying Jesus. And the first thing Jesus told you to do was to what? To get baptized. So here's what we're going to do. Okay? We're going to do one more song, but not yet, because i got one more thing to say. And during that song, Jared is going to be in the back, and he's got these little baptism packets. When the song is played out, here's what I want you to do. If you have not been baptized, but you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have no reason and no excuse to not go back there and grab one of these. And Jesus commanded it. And if he's your boss, right, if he's your hero, then you obey him. And so he should be very busy back there handing these out, handing pins out. And we want you to fill these out immediately. The moment you get them, you can start filling them out on the bus. Curtis says, that's totally cool. So how do I know God's dream? I follow God's commands. Here's the second one. I'm a pastor, right? Now, usually pastors, you think they hear something special. Like, Paul, did you get a vision? Did you get a voice? Did you get an angel? I'm here to tell you right now, God did not call me with a voice to be a pastor. I didn't see a vision I didn't get an angel. I haven't had one of those. Or a voice. I have never 
heard God's audible voice speak to me, ever. Now, I'm not saying that's not possible. That's not what he did with me. So you may be thinking, well, how, well, then why are you a pastor? How did you know that was okay? Do you know when I decided that I was going to be a pastor? When I was 13 years old. When I was your age. Do you know why? This is an easy one. This is how you can know your dream. There's one little passage in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's talking about people called elders. Elders are pastors in the New Testament. Now check this out. It says, if you want to be one of these, you need this big thing right here. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is verse 1. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires, or other translations are desires, if anyone desires the office of overseer, that's elder and pastor, he desires a noble thing, then it says he should be a moral person, and it lists it all off. What is he saying right there? Do you want it? Do you desire it? God's not going to give you a map, but here's what God gives you. He gives you desires. Some of you said, I want to be an author. I want to be a pastry chef, right? I want to be an editor. I want to be a wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, right? You said all of those things. Do you know how you know God's will, God's plan for your life? When you're loving God, what do you desire the most? Follow that. Follow that. Love God and do whatever you want. Whatever you want. Now, you've got to love God first. Don't think, do whatever I want. Paul said, I can do all this stuff. No, 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 no. I said, love God. And what's going to happen when you start loving God is God is going to change your heart. He's going to do some things and some desires are going to come up. And you're going to say, man, I, I, I kind of want to go to Thailand. Oh, I, I kind of want to go to uh, Albania. Is that God's will? Think about it if you're God. You're standing up there in heaven. Who's going to Albania? Okay. All right, let's take Curtis here. God's up in heaven. Oh, man, look at all my people. Look at Curtis. Wow. Oh, no. Oh, he's going to Albania. No, I wanted Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Albania. It's just right down the lake. Come on, Curtis. You think God gets frustrated like that? You went to, you went to Albania? I said Uganda, right? That's where I wanted you to go. Clearly separate places. You think God gets frustrated that you're going to a foreign country to tell people about Jesus? Ah, that wasn't my dream. You should have waited for orders. You think God is ever up in heaven wringing his hands? Stop loving me that way. Stop making disciples that way. Stop going to that foreign country. Stop being a pastor. Stop being a missionary. Stop, stop. I don't think God does any of that stuff. For some reason, we get in our minds that we have to wait. And I'm here to tell you, don't wait. Don't wait at all. My challenge to you is that you would go for God until you get a no. Don't wait. Don't sit there staring at the green light, thinking, when will God tell me? He already told you. Love me and make disciples of the nations. That's it. That's your dream. What's that desire in you? All right, let's close out this way. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes one more time. You guys have been really good, really uh, calm and, and serious. And when we get to these moments, you guys do a really great job. And I really, really appreciate that. Okay, so we're going to do it just one more time. Okay, so I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. This is just between you and God right now. Okay, between you and God. And here's what I want you to do. Okay, 
I want you to think, yourself, think to yourself this question. When I love God the most, when I'm in my most godly moment, maybe that's that moment where I'm reading my Bible, or maybe that's that moment where I'm singing a song, right? Maybe that's that moment where, where we're driving in the car and a worship song comes on, and man, I'm just in love with Jesus. The moment where I feel like, dude, me and Jesus are so tight right now, are so close right now. Here's my question. When you're loving God the most, what desires are in you? Right, what do you want? God says in the Bible in Philippians chapter 2 that he is working in us to will and to act according to his great purpose. So with your eyes closed, not staring at your hands, picking through your nails there, I want you to think about that question. When I love God the most, what is he working in me? What does he want me to be? I don't need to wait for a vision. I don't need to wait for a voice. I don't need to wait for an angel. I got a desire inside of me. I think there might be some of you in this room who when you love God the most, what you want is you want to be a pastor. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to call you to do anything, but what I want to do is when I leave here is I want to be able to pray for you, okay? So when you love God the most in your heart, do you want to be a pastor? Would you be a favorite? Would you just put your hand in the air? Nobody's looking. I'm the only one looking. Would you put your hand in the air and say, that's what I want? When I love God the most, I want to be a pastor. I, I, I want to be like what Curtis does. That's what I want to do. I want to be that. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Okay, put your hands down. Maybe some of you, okay, when I love God the most, when I love him the most, when, I've, when I'm just, man, I'm in it, and I feel like me and Jesus are side by side. When I love God the most, man, I want to be a missionary. I want to go to a foreign place that speaks a different language, that doesn't know about Jesus, that maybe doesn't even have a Bible. Man, I feel like those people are on my heart the most. I think about the people who have never heard about Jesus. That's called being a missionary. How many of you in your heart, when you love God the most, you want to be a missionary? Go ahead and just raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys. You can open your eyes and you can look at me. I'm going to pray for you guys, and then we're going to sing a song, okay? During that song, again, how do we know God's dream? His commands. What's one of his commands? Get baptized. You're going to follow me? Get baptized. So during the song, if you haven't been baptized yet, you're going to go to the back. You go to my man Jared right here. He's right here in the back. He's got pens and he's got packets, okay? And he's going to do that. Now, some of you, actually a lot of you, way more than I expected, by the way, uh, said, hey, I want to be a pastor. When I love God the most, this desire starts building up in me, Paul, and it kind of scares me a little bit, and it scared me when I was 13. Some of you said, hey, I want to be a missionary. Actually, a lot of you said that. I want to tell people about Jesus. That is so awesome. Here's what I'm going to pray for you. I expect this of you. Now, I know I'm not your pastor, right, and I've only been with you for two camps now, but what, when I think about you guys, this is why I come. I don't speak at any other youth camps ever. Uh, I just come to you guys. And I don't know why. Maybe you just got a special place in my heart, or for some reason I like Seattle. Uh, I don't know what it is. But here's what I expect of you. I expect you, and I want you to know the bar's high, and I know when I come here, I totally challenge you guys, right? And maybe some of you are like, you stretch me too far. I totally get that. I expect you, as a student ministry, to change the world. That's it. Not anything big. <laughs> no, that's what I expect. I don't know why that's in my heart, but that's what I pray for when I leave here. I pray for several of you students, just, just individually, and then corporately what I pray for is God make them change the world. 
make, make not, not just change Washington, not just change America. I want, I want these kids to change the world. So I'm going to pray a very dangerous prayer over your life. And then we're going to sing. Would you bow your heads? No, 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 no we're going to do this differently. We're going to do it differently. I want you to stand up. Okay, this might be new for you and a little weird for you. We do this at, we do this at my church. And, uh, um, well, I guess because we're weird. What we do is we call it a blessing for the road. It's like a prayer for at the very kind of end thing. And what we do is, as a symbol of giving a blessing, I extend my hand out towards you. And it's not anything magical. It's not like Harry Potter magic or anything like that. It's just, a, it's just a symbol of saying, I pronounce a blessing on your life. Okay? And then what we do at our church is, if you want to participate in that blessing, then you extend your, extend your arms towards me. You extend your hand towards me, just like this. Okay? Like Iron Man. Okay? The, the one who beats Captain America. Right? That's what you do. Don't, don't do it yet. Here's what we're doing. But I don't want you to do it. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray or pronounce a blessing on you that's a very dangerous blessing. So if you don't want any part of that, if you don't want to be a world changer, that's cool. Keep your hand down. That's fine. Maybe you're not ready for that yet. That's okay. This is a safe place for you to, to, to go at your own pace. But if that's what you want, then we're going to do that. Okay? So if you want to participate in this, go ahead and extend your hand towards me as I extend my hand towards you. My brothers and sisters in Christ, your God has given you a new name. And that new name is not villain. But there are so many. There are thousands and there are billions. And their name is still villain. And they are still an enemy of God. And they are still far from God. And there are some out there who will seek your blood if you ever try to tell them otherwise. But I pray on you a passion and a holy discontent that you cannot stand to think that somebody knows about Coca-Cola but doesn't know about Christ. That you are not okay with people not having a Bible in their own language. You are not okay with kids dying in Africa with, 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 with AIDS not hearing about Jesus Christ. You are not okay for there to be people who will never hear about Jesus as they're entering into the final phases of their life. You are not okay with the girls, the millions of girls who are sold and taken into the sex slave industry and don't know hope and don't know affection and don't know love and can never say, Daddy, I love you, and they can't look up to heaven because they feel like they're abandoned. I hope inside of you the deepest desire in you is not worried about your status, not worried about your reputation, but somebody doesn't know that they can have a new name in Jesus. I pray that dangerous desire grows and you're so discontent that you flee your comfort and you chase after the holy calling of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing.